everybody, here is the latest Marvin Berry podcast episode. Uh, in this episode, I am joined by Marvin Berry member, local actor, Nikki Halowski. Uh, we're going to talk about our family growing up and kind of how uh, we had different childhoods where uh, Nikki was raised out in the country and I was raised as a city boy. Uh, so we kind of discussed that. We also talk about how we hate Air Canada. They're the worst. Enjoy the episode. Okay, well... It's recording, uh, so. <laughs> uh, are we on? Yeah. All right. I was wondering why my uh, my smoke alarm went off for a second because I uh, had a pot of boiling water in my kitchen. My smoke alarm treats uh, steam as if it was smoke, so every time we shower, we have like the craziest loudest fire alarm go off, <laughs> which is you know ideal. It's exactly what you want when you're trying to enjoy a relaxing shower. Uh, make sure that yeah, the fire from the water doesn't spread, which is always important. Good. You know, you know water, it's fire these days. Agreed. Uh, how you doing today, Nikki? I'm okay, how are you? Doing well, thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for being on the, I don't know what number of the episode this is, of the Marvin Berry podcast. Yeah, like 24 maybe? Is it? Um, maybe, hi, we're definitely in the low 20s. Somewhere. Holy shit. You should yeah, know. Yeah. You're the one who does this all the time. That's true. I Honestly, every time I have to number an episode, I just guess. I'm like, I guess I'm too lazy to open up the podcast app and just look at the number. Uh, and it's honestly worked out every time. Really? Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, that's been good. Uh, I was supposed to walk by your house today. Man, I felt dumb doing that. And I was like, what the heck? About the end of the road, surely I would have packed walked by Nikki's house by now. And then I was like, ah, that's why all the houses were different. I was on 84th. Oh, I'm yeah. an idiot. <laughs> I left the balcony open because I was like, oh, Chris is going to be here. And I told Josh, I'm like, Chris is going to be here and he's going to come calling for us. <laughs> and he was like, okay. I'm like, and then we can visit with him on the balcony. And I was like, ooh. And then it had been over a half hour. I'm like, maybe he had a nap. Maybe he's <laughs> napping. <laughs> no, just an idiot. Never walked in Edmonton. You know, I'm new to the neighborhood, so I'm not sure what road is which. So it's always important. Of course. Welcome to oh, Edmonton. God. Welcome to Edmonton, and welcome to this podcast, Chris. <laughs> We're on it. Um, I thought it'd be fun if I could ask you some questions to compare, maybe childhood firsts. Okay. Because uh, you were raised in a pile of hay. Yes, basically, yeah. You were out in the country, so I just want to kind of want to know, but like, what were some childhood experiences like out there? That may have been different. So first of all, I want you to tell me about what was the trick-or-treating situation living out in Athabasca? Well, my mom was pretty religious when I was a kid, so we didn't we didn't trick-or-treat much. I think I think up until the age of me being like five, maybe less, maybe younger, maybe three, we that we went trick-or-treating, so I don't have a lot of memories of that. But when people would come to our house, because um, my mom always had candy, you're in the country, so like if you showed up to our house, you got, like, an entire bag of candy just for yourself. Um, oh, yeah. Because we didn't have many people come out. And I remember one year my brothers were on quads dressed like ghosts or something like that, and they were driving around the yard trying to terrify people. So I'm pretty sure people didn't come to our house because of that. 
Because uh, it was actually haunted? Yeah, yeah, exactly, by quad ghosts. <laughs> Qu- quosts. It's also the term for ghosts that can't walk. Yeah, exactly, quosts, quosts, yeah. So, <laughs> so that that was a thing. Um, but Kevin, like, to this day, at my mom's birthday on the weekend, Kevin, to this day, will not forgive my parents for not letting us trick-or-treat. Because my mom, my dad always wanted to go, but my mom would never, never let us do this, do it, so... He was so Oh, complaining. man, because of Satan. Yeah, because of Satan. Because <laughs> it's Satan's day, didn't you know? That is, there's nothing more than Satan life than people dressing up in fun costumes, talking to your neighbors, sharing, giving away sweet treats and candy. That's what hell is all about, is community and giving away candy and getting to know your neighbor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I can't imagine how terrifying it would be well, like trick-or-treating at your guys' house. Because, yeah, you are, like, in the middle of nowhere. The driveway is just, a, like, a range road that you're walking on. That's exactly There's it. There's no other, like, houses around that you can run to. No. And then on top of it, you've got the Holowski boys ripping around on motorized, big quads, dressed like dead people. So, it's like, yeah, if you can get through all that, here's a huge bag of candy. You, you've done it. Oh, yeah, it was, it was definitely, like... A... A fun gift. But, like, for those kids who did know, and, like, it was normally our neighbors, but, like, our closest neighbor was, like, half a kilometer away. So, like, our... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, uh, those kids that did know to come to our house, they drive up, and then they come and knock on the door, and then they basically get an entire bowl or an entire bag of candy. And I was like, all right, get the fuck out of here now. Man, that is funny, because I know Judy is, like, an extremely giving person. Anytime I've been to her house, I have immediately been given so many, like awesome treats and snacks and she's like gone out to the store and like prepared a smorgasbord of stuff so i can only imagine that oh yeah she 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 loves she loves having visitors and she especially loves having like a bunch of guys over because like we grew up with that right always having the boys friends over so oh man i can't imagine how much more manly they were than us as a group of marvin berry (laughs) (laughs) i'm like oh yeah the guys the big men crew (laughs) <laughs> the, the the big man crew. You guys eat just as much, so... Yeah. Quinn does. Quinn does. Yeah, I mean, like, you're, you're like, the garbage dump. Is, like, what did I used to call you when we were touring? The garbage truck? Was that it? The garbage truck, because I... Okay, I think mine was left out of getting food. It was just, like, when we started touring, I was so broke <laughs> that I was like, I can afford to tour, but I can't afford food on the trip. And I know for a fact... But Nikki will order something, eat probably two-thirds of it, maybe half or two-thirds, and then we'll offer it around. So I was like, I can just get a smoothie and then eat scraps. Yeah, I started, I started, like, I realized that too, so I just started ordering more food than I ever needed because I always knew that at least, at least two out of four of you would be broke and need food. Yeah. And it was definitely... Yeah, you and Quinn, yeah. So I'd always order, like, double the amount of food that I could possibly even touch. And then I would just be like, oh, I just wanted to try this and then let you guys eat it. Oh, man. I have my favorite was in uh, New Orleans. I had just finished living in Vancouver for a year mm-hmm. and then spent three months traveling Asia and then immediately went to New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was one breakfast where we kind of divided because you guys were going to this, like, fancy all-you-can-eat brunch. Yeah, with my like, parents. Oh, with, like, lobster and stuff like that was there. Yeah, my parents came. Yeah. It sounded like the most over-the-top, bougie, amazing breakfast ever. And then the poor half of us walked to the local convenience store, bought a 
Wonder Bread, like a 12-pack of eggs, peanut butter, and hot sauce, and had eggs on toast with peanut butter and hot sauce. You guys said it was and pretty good, though. It was really good. I think mostly the flavor came from being like, ah, those fat cats spent $90. We each spent like 70 cents each for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I also remember hitting up, there was that really shitty fast food place by where we were staying. Yeah, in Bywater. Yeah, and I often remember, like, waiting to not eat throughout the day at the French Quarter and then walking by there, but like, hey, guys, I'm just going to grab, like, two or three cheeseburgers for a dollar here. Oh, you poor baby. Oh, it was fine. It was a great time and a blast of a trip, and um, I knew that I could go. I just couldn't spend a lot of money there, and it worked out fine, and now we're all more stable, so when we travel, we can buy food. Where was our, I San Francisco was our last trip, where I felt like I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> San Francisco. I remember freaking out though at San Francisco because like you, you Quinn and Sam almost didn't make it, and Mike and I had already been there down there for a few days, and Cape and Gabriel had come like as a fun, su- like surprise late Christmas pres- present gift for me. Um, so her and I were really excited, but yeah, we were already what? there for a few days, and we thought you guys weren't going to make it because of all the flight delays. And I was like, oh my god! So I'm trying to like. Like hammer info into Cabe's brain in case we need her as a third person. Man, for uh, I guess those of you maybe listening to this, if anyone does, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the details of the flight were that yeah, Gabriel, uh, Nikki, and Mike had gotten to San Francisco on what, like the Monday or the Tuesday? Yeah. And our show was Thursday night. This is the San Francisco Sketch Fest, so like the biggest show we've ever done before, um, and. We are all leaving. We were supposed to all leave like Tuesday night, or no Wednesday, Wednesday night. Wednesday, so yeah. So Gabriel, Gabriel, Mike, and I got there on Sunday, I think, and then right. you, you guys were supposed to get there Wednesday night, and then we had both shows on Thursday. That's right. Yeah. So Wednesday, it's like we get there. And we're supposed to get there like pretty late at night on Wednesday at like eleven o'clock or something. Our flight's at like six p.m. That flight gets canceled because Air Canada is just the worst company that's ever existed. Oh, my God. Uh, then we're trying to, like, rebook and run through. We all have to deboard the plane because we were waiting on the tarmac to leave. But there was, like, fog. It was this crazy fog, so we couldn't take off. The guy sitting beside me is on an app on his phone, so he can listen to the radio in between uh, air traffic controlling and the Air Canada plane we're on. So they put off put us off like the side of the runway so we're just like parked and waiting hoping that there's a gap they turn off the engines of the plane then air traffic controller is like hey guys there's a break in the fog air canada flight whatever so you guys can take off now the air canada pilot then goes hang on we just got to talk to the company they go oh since we already turned off the engines we're just going to cancel the flight so instead of taking off and they cancel it so we all re- get rebooked automatically and it's like you're all leaving at five in the morning as yeah. we're like, all right, Queen and Sam are like, we're just going to stay at the airport. I'm like, I'm on an Uber ride home, try to sleep at my house, and then just get up early again and come back out here. As we're walking out of the airport, we all get notifications saying, you've all been bumped off your flight. Yeah. So now we're all on flights that leave at like 3 p.m. So then we'll get into San Francisco at like 8 p.m. and miss the show. So it's like, uh, no, get back in line with the agents again wait for so long to get to the front turns out 
that right before we get in, an Air Canada agent is like, oh, you guys are in the priority lineup, so you have to go wait in the back again. Mm-hmm. And we're like, but we already got bumped off again. Holy shit, I hate Air Canada so much. I do too. Oh, my God. So then we all get rebooked on. Quinn and Sam get put back onto that 4 a.m. flight. I'm on a 6 a.m. flight. Uh, so they get there, stay at a hotel, leave at 4 a.m. They're fine. 6 a.m. the next day, I show up at the airport on Thursday. And that flight is also canceled by Air Canada. Yeah. For, like, some, I don't even know the reason why that one. It was, like, some mechanical issue. Uh, they're, like, then telling me to rebook me on. I'm going to get in at, like, 5.45 p.m. now. I have to fly through Vancouver. So I'm going to get to San Francisco, take an Uber from the airport to our venue directly, and then I'll be a little bit late for, like, our tech run. I'm like, oh, man, if anything goes bad, now I'm fucked. In Vancouver, I was able to run over to a Delta desk and then get put on an earlier flight through Delta. So I got there at, like, 3 p.m., made the show. Everything was fine. Um, But, but man, also crazy, but then when we get to the show and are doing our tech run, at the end of our tech run, we're like, oh, yeah, we have... uh, what was it, 35 minutes we thought we had? And we had 25? Yeah, because our original email said two 35-minute th- two sets. And then we yeah. got there, and the chick was like, oh, it's it's 25 minutes. And we were supposed to headline both shows, and it was like, oh, you headline one, and you're, like, middler of one. We were like, wait, what? So it was like everything <laughs> we had been told had changed. So we had to panic and cut all of our tech and change our set list 10, 10 minutes before we started the show, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we did. Just downstairs, you were just in the zone on Q Lab. Yeah. And got everything just done on time. And then the shows went great. Yeah. It was a fun time. And then going home, you want to tell your story of going home? Oh, God. Yeah. So I was also in a production of Julius Caesar with Malachite Theater, and I was playing um, Mark Antony. And uh, I had booked my flight to come back. I was hoping to book my flight to come back the day prior, but I couldn't because they weren't offering any flights home that day. So I had to book the day of, uh, so my flight was supposed to leave, um, San Francisco, I think at 10 AM. And I was supposed to get in to Edmonton at one thirty or something like that. Uh, and then when, when I got to the airport, my flight was delayed twice until 12 o'clock. And I was like, this is still fine. I'll still get in around three. It's not a big deal. Da, da, da. Uh, and then my flight was delayed again. And then five minutes later, they cancel it. Uh, and so I started booking it to get to, I, I started sprinting through the San Francisco airport to get back to the desk. I think I was the second or, or first or second person in line, um, waiting to rebook. I was told that I would get back to Edmonton in time, no problem in time to make it to the show. Uh, and then I left my bags cause they also started ditching our bags back. So I was like, not a big deal. Waited got rebooked. The woman was like, go get your bag and then I'll put you back in the priority line. You'll jump this massive line of people waiting to rebook and then I'll get you going. Uh, But then when I was waiting to get on my next flight, we found out that that Air Canada flight had also been canceled and I couldn't leave San Francisco until I think it was like two o'clock, which would have put me back in Edmonton um, at six. But then they changed it again while I was waiting. I was waiting with another guy named Steve who was real nice. So we were hanging out together. Uh, and he was having the same problems trying to get back to Edmonton. So then finally we get to, back to Vancouver, but we, we had been told before we got there, once you get to Vancouver, race to this desk, talk to these people, they'll put you on an immediate flight out. They know that you're coming, the flight will wait for you. And I was like, great. So we get there, we're racing through customs to get there. I go to this first desk, I talk to this guy, and he's like, no, no, you don't talk to me, you talk to someone else. 
and he sent me running across the airport. So I'm running across the airport again to talk to someone else. Talk to four. And these are all Air Canada people. These are all Air Canada people, yeah. Who so are the, notoriously useless. Yeah, so it was like, in, they told me to talk to international, then they told me to talk to domestic, then domestic told me to talk to guest services. So I'm being raced around, then I was told to go talk to first class, then I was told to go all the way back to international and talk to them. And it was the first guy that I talked to, and he went, oh, I guess you were supposed to talk to me. And in that time, I had missed the flight that would have been able to get <laughs> oh. me back. Yeah. Those yeah, yeah. So that I would, I missed the flight. So in turn, I I missed getting back to Edmonton in time. It was like one of the most stressful days. Uh, I didn't get home. I think I think like ten or twelve hours. I was ten or twelve hours later than I was supposed to be. Um, yeah, it was just just all a really big, big mess. And then my director had to go on for me. Uh, and so like the first half, I told him right in the morning, I'm like, just in case you best start memorizing my lines. And he was like, Oh yeah, yeah, I will. And then suddenly I was like, no, you have to, you have to do this. So he started trying to panic memorize my lines. Um, you know, bless him and all of the fucking cast in the Julius Caesar show, because they were just so kind and generous to be like, it's fine. Like we'll deal with it. And they were just so chill about it. But I, here I am in San Francisco, like bawling. Uh, and in like Vancouver talking to this guy who's just being an absolute dick to me. And I was like, come on, man. And I, I said to him at one point, I'm like, your job is to help me and I need your help. And he was just, and I was crying and the guy was like, oh, I guess you were supposed to talk to me. Hey, I was like, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's okay now though. And then in the end, Air Canada is supposed to give us like based off of how many hours you get home later and the things that you went through, Air Canada is supposed to reimburse you, which I hope that you applied for, Chris. Oh. I applied for this and argued with them, and they were like, I was trying to get, um, like, my Uber covered, because I had to, like, drive home and back, and I had, like, nine tickets. I sent a message to them on Facebook, and being like, hey, I bet you probably have some PR person who's, like, maybe sensible and maybe can help me out. Look at how horrible the story was, what a disaster it was, I almost missed the show, you did lied, like, so... Not only are they bad at canceling, which seems to be 80% of their flight, when they do cancel them, they have no fucking way of dealing with it. Yeah. And then you have just, like, an entire plane of people trying to rebook and a lot of just, like, not that interested employees. I don't think there is a company that I hate more than Air Canada. So they ended up giving me a voucher for an Air Canada flight. So I have a hundred, instead of giving me the money I spent on an Uber, instead of they're giving me a hundred dollars off the next time I fly with Air Canada, which will be never. So. Yeah, they did the same thing for me. Like, I lost money because of the performance. I, I uh, like, had so many issues. Same thing, tons of runaround. And then they're like, we'll give you a $200 voucher. Uh, oh, fuckers. Yeah, but I called, I talked to, what is it, the Canada Travel, you know what I mean? The, the, the government. travel police that are supposed to make sure all these airlines yeah, are yeah, travels, so, but they don't do anything? Well, actually, they called me the other day, and this woman was really kind and very helpful, and she was like, I am so sorry. She's like, as you can tell, there are thousands of people right now, especially with everything going on with COVID. She's like, there are thousands of people that are having the similar issue. She's like, but again, they're all in line. And she's like, lucky for you, you're four months ahead of everyone. And I just started laughing. And it was like four months uh, since I heard, like before I heard from the Canada travel police type thing. And she was like, I know she's like, but we're here and we're trying. And I was like, totally. And she was like, I'm going to try to do the best I can to give it a push. Because like I had been told when I called um, the Canada travel police when everything first happened, 
they said like a, send in a message to Air Canada. We'll see how they deal with it. Then send in a message to us because if you just apply to the Canada police, they're like, we can't do anything. You have to contact the airline first. So I did that. And then this, this woman was like, good for you. You did it in the right order. Um, but yeah, I was like, they gave me a $200 travel voucher and she's like, you're not going to use that. I'm like, I know. Why would I ever travel with this shit company ever again? I hate our Canada. They're garbage. Every time uh, I fly with them, it's a problem. They're just terrible, terrible, terrible. I was going off about them to my dad, and then he went off about, I think WestJet is who has fucked him over recently the most. But, uh, man, you know what? Enough of this airline talk. Yeah. I want to know about differences. How the heck, what's like uh, commuting to school for you, like growing up in Athabasca? Oh, wow. Okay, so first... Obviously, you didn't take care of Canada. No, thank Christ. <laughs> Otherwise, I never would have made it. Um, I wouldn't be as, I wouldn't be as Athabasca educated as I am now. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Never would have gotten my grade nine. Yeah, I got me a grade nine. <laughs> I'm not sure what number that is, but I got it. Um, yeah, anyway, so we, so the weird thing about like my parents' farm is that they're in between two different school districts. Um, in between Aspen View Regional Division number 19, and I can't remember the other one. Maybe it's 21. Who's to say? I'm just guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, so at first they wouldn't even let us go to Athabasca because even though we had already started school there, at one point we used to live north of Athabasca, then we started living south. And then we were 21 kilometers between either district, so they're like, you have to go to the school in Rochester, which only goes to grade 9, and then I'd have to go to Athabasca after that anyways. So stupid. My mom was like, no, fuck that. They're going Athabasca. So yeah. we had to take this bus of, like, all of these Rochester kids who, like, couldn't go to Rochester anymore because they were past grade nine. Um, <laughs> so it's just very, very strange. Lots of nice people, though. Lots of weird people, too, just generally. Um, small it's town, a, Alberta. Yeah, it's a small town. Uh, so we used to take the bus, but we had to, the bus refused to come to the end of our driveway and you know our place, like our driveway is really, really, really long. Um, yeah, it's a full range road. Yeah, exactly. And then we have to cut across the actual road, like the range road, to get to the highway. So we had to meet the bus at the highway. So in the middle of winter, <laughs> yeah, so in the middle of winter, my mom would like warm up the vehicle for like 40 minutes because it's dead of winter. And then we'd get in the vehicle and then have to go wait for the bus. And if we weren't there right on time, the bus would leave without us, so my mom would have to drive us all the way to town. But luckily, yeah, it was horrible. But luckily, when we got old enough for one of us to drive, we all just took the the vehicle to go to school together. But we had this truck that my brother's, uh, used to be my brother Gary's, and he had taken really good care of it. And then Kevin and Dave got a hold of it, and it was just like this, (laughs) this like construction orange-yellow Ford truck it was like a three on a tree, which means that the shift, the gear shift is actually on the steering wheel instead of like on the steering wheel column instead of like in the middle of the vehicle. Uh, oh, so yeah. it was very strange. And Kevin and Dave used to grind the gears all the time and they like ripped the stereo out of the center and they tied a fake like toy cordless, fo- like not cordless, but a fake toy phone to it. And there were times when like we'd have too many people because it was only a three seater. So we'd like shove people behind the the actual seat of the vehicle which makes no sense because there's no room or like people would lay down in the box of the truck with blankets and that's how we would ride to town 
And it's like a 20-minute <laughs> drive. Yeah. And my brothers, Kevin and Dave, used to pretend all the time that there was, like, somebody calling. Like, it was the president or something like that. And they, like, on this phone that obviously didn't work. It was just tied to the dash with a cord. And then they would, like, pretend that the president was on the phone. And then they'd, like, throw the phone into the back of the truck for, like, someone else in the back of the truck to pretend that they were on the phone. And, like, <laughs> Dave would be driving and he'd pretend that he'd fall asleep and drive into the ditch. Like, the, like... Holy shit. Oh, yeah. This is... And, like, this is just the beginning of it. And, like, sometimes they would drag things behind the vehicle. Uh, intruder. Intruder alert. Intruder. I got a dog that's freaking out. Pause. I'll be right back. Yeah. He would yell intruder alert, intruder alert? I know. I yelled intruder alert because the dogs were barking. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, my real-time life and your childhood have merged. Yep. Oh, man. I, uh, yeah, once the only time I've driven with Kevin before, and uh, I think it was a Jimmy. He's like the modified Jimmy's, right? Yes. Uh, and just like on the highway, and then going to the ditch, and then you're just ripping around like off roading directly up the highway. It's a great time. It's a beautiful place. It's a very dangerous time. Oh yeah, but like, for a child to grow up there, it was incredible that you guys were all alive. How many siblings didn't make it? Uh, surprisingly, we all. I had to think about that for a second, and I know that we're all alive. But like, how many? How many of us almost didn't make it? Uh, many, many of us almost <laughs> didn't make it. Like Kevin, the, sorry. Go ahead. Kevin, like the hospital in Athabasca used to make jokes about like making a wing of the hospital specifically for us, because like uh, I had like cracked my skull open on a zip line on that same zip line. Kevin like twisted his ankle backwards, like broke his leg so bad. Oh um, god, this was like the homemade zip line you guys had. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe you guys got hurt on it. <laughs> you know what's funny is my mom was very like, okay, so if the kids are going to try to make their own zip line, I'm going to go get someone who knows about this to actually make a zip line that we won't get hurt on. And so when we <laughs> when we did get hurt, it was actually so the first time when I cracked my skull open, um it was because we were trying out a different harness and we were using this silk rope. Like I don't know if you've heard of that like it's like a nylon. It's like a soft uh, nylon rope. Yeah. You know what I mean. It's really soft. It's really silky. It's really pretty, but it should never be used for zip lining because the sun hits it and it frays the rope, like it burns through it. Oh my god! It just melts. Yeah, it doesn't melt. Ah. It like it like the sun slowly works its way through it. It's like leaving silk in the sun. It just like burns a hole in it. Is what happens. Oh Jesus. Yeah, because it's just soft fabric. It's not plastic. It's soft fabric. So. Anyways, yeah, it was rough, and we didn't take it down and stuff, and my dad used to do a lot of welding from heights, and so he has these different harnesses. He has the one seated harness, which is just the one that's, like, around your your butt and your crotch that you kind of sit in, and then he has the Superman harness, which is a full-body harness, and the boys wanted to test out this full-body harness, but they were all too heavy, so they wanted me to test it, because I was the little one, so I was a crash test dummy. And at the time, I used to love those, like, T.Y. teddy bears, but, like, the big ones, the buddy bears, you know? Oh, no, no, not buddy, uh, beanie babies. Beanie, yeah, beanie babies, beanie buddies, you yeah. Call them buddy bears? No, the big ones. <laughs> the big ones for, like, beanie buddies, weren't they? Beanie buddies, that is right. They yeah. had names, and you'd be like, what's your name? Like, no, fuck that name. Your name's Mike. <laughs> yeah, Buddy Bears. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, the boys would, like, promise me a Beanie 
a beanie buddy. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'll do your trick now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. I do stunts for beanie buddies. I do. I did. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah. So I got on this full body harness and then I jumped off. But at the time we didn't have like a, a give rope, which would stop you at a certain point. So the way that you stopped was either you had a glove that you would grab onto the rope to slow yourself down, or we put up these tires with train track nails at the end tree, and then you just, like, hit them. But w- some train track nails. Oh, Bye. yeah. So when I jumped off, it, like, it one of them, the boys were trying to hold it down, like, hold the rope down, but when they let it go, it, it did a really big bounce, and it dropped off one of the tires. So I went careening headfirst towards a nail, and I got smoked. Jesus. Yeah, and I got smoked in the head, and and I'm, like, bleeding from the head, but I thought I was sweating, and so I'm, like, bleeding from the head, and I didn't know what was going on, and I'm, like, ow, ow, and I just, like, went to wipe my hand away, and Kevin and Dave start screaming, and I don't know what they're screaming about, and then they ran away, like, they just left me hanging there, bleeding from the head, and I was, like, <laughs> yeah, they just left me, and, like, it's down, so we, co- in the tree line, we called it, like, uh, I can't remember what it's called, like down by the, down by the granaries, but like, it's basically like from the house to the, to the tree house was like, I'm going to say tree house in quotations cause it was never finished and didn't have walls. It was just literally a platform. Um, my dad was like, I'll build you a tree house. Just kidding. Um, yeah. So it must've been like five, 600 meters. Like it was far. And so they, they just left me there. Uh, and then I heard, and then you can hear them screaming and then Gary comes out cause Gary was the oldest brother and he like comes racing down and takes me down and I'm just like bleeding from the head and my parents get home and they're like, where, where's Nikki and Gary? And they're like, she's at the hospital, like that oh, kind of God. stuff. And my parents were like, why, why does this always happen? So. <laughs> well, that explains why you're so open-minded then. Oh God. That's a pun and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Long-lasting brain injury. Yeah. That's okay. Now, if you want to get knocked out, you can get it, do it way easier these days, right? Yeah, it's true. It's very, very true. doesn't take It's just take convenient much. if you need a realistic shot of someone like, we need her knocked out. Yeah, we're in, a, we're in a Marvin Berry meeting, and I'm just, like, making the wrong jokes. You can just knock me out and call it a day. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I guarantee now, at one point in your life, you're going to be in a movie, and they're going to be like, Nikki, jump this motorcycle over the bridge. And be like, why don't we get a stunt person? And they'll be like, how about a beanie buddy? And you'll say this. <laughs> ah, I probably would for old time's sake. But I get to pick which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I got a cool one. Um, all right. I think there was one more that I wanted to go over of country life living. One more country life question. Yeah. Jeez um, Louise. I'm trying to think now what the heck it was. Going to school. Trick or treating, living. Um, oh, did you guys have like like day to day chores? Like, what are your childhood chores like? Oh Jesus! Did uh, you have to like weld? Yeah, yeah. So Kevin, Kevin actually loved it. It didn't. Really, it wasn't really a chore for Kevin. Like, Kevin started well. Like, my dad was teaching him how to weld when he was five years old. Yeah, because, like, my dad's my dad's a workaholic, right, to this day. And when we were kids, we were definitely more his, like, employees than we were his kids. So, like, yeah. So, uh, I started... Did they make... Sorry? Sorry, did they make welding masks 
four or five year old? Or is he just wearing an adult one? Yeah, he was just wearing an adult one that my dad like had fitted with like different like foam to fit Kevin's <laughs> face. And like, yeah, it was crazy. Like there was this thing when we were kids, cause like Kevin playing with the torch, this is like a kind of slightly off topic thing, but like my dad was showing Kevin that you can wave your hand over a torch and not burn yourself. Kid. Yeah, exactly. So you can wave your hand over a torch. Because you can. You can wave your hand through a torch and you won't burn yourself. It's just when you hold it in place. Yeah, um, it's the same thing with, like, molten iron. You can, like, slap it. Yeah. And there's, like, I think, like, the air around your hand doesn't heat up for that. Like, you have, like, the one second or whatever. Yeah, but that's again, exactly. But, if you show that to a kid, they probably don't understand the science. Yeah, also, like, highly, like, saying this to everyone, if anyone's listening to the podcast, like, don't do this. Don't do it. It's not it's not a fun game to test. You have no idea. Like my dad is an expert at this stuff, so like don't don't do it. You will hurt yourself. Anyways. How about zip lining head first at the trees? Should they do that? No. Unless you have a gift if, if you have a give rope, then it's fine because it'll stop you. <laughs> <laughs> but like anyways, so we uh yeah, so I can't remember how old Kevin was, but he was young, maybe eight, seven or eight. And he came in the house, and his eyebrows had been singed off, and his eyelashes had curled. And Kevin wore, just put safety goggles on, and waved his face over it. He waved his face over the torch, and he, like, singed his hair, and his eyebrows were gone, and, like, his eyelashes had curled. And my mom, and he's like, look, mom, you can wave your face over it. My mom was like, oh, my God. And she's like, what the hell are you doing? And she's like... Yelling for my dad, like, Oris! Oris, what the hell? Like, and, yeah. And just, like... The kid's welding his face off. Yeah, Kevin just had no fear. Like, he's never had fear, as you know to this day. Kevin, I think Kevin has had so many injuries, and all of us kids. Like, all four of us have had so many injuries that we just don't have fear anymore. Mine has definitely come back. Uh, and I'm a little more like, oh, I don't want to break anything. Cause if I, if I break something then I'm screwed for filming. Right. But like, Kevin doesn't care. Like, right. Dave no, doesn't care. He treated me he instantly in one hand gave me a beer and the other hand gave me a gun. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. This is awesome. Yeah. That's uh, just how Kevin lives. But like, so like all of our chores weren't really like, I guess mine were pretty, mm, when I was really young, mine were like, help mom with all the stuff inside, like clean and cook and da-da-da, and I hated it. And then I, I think I was 11, and my dad was like, what the hell are you doing inside? Get your ass outside. And so it was always like, we lived on a farm, so you were like feeding animals, or you were like throwing bales, or you were driving a tractor, or you were harrowing the the driveway or the field, or you're picking rocks. Like all of our chores weren't really like normal kid chores. So when we, well, like as is a small town. So when we got, like when we got older, we needed crazier things to entertain us, which is why we got into like fireworks and like blowing stuff up and like, you know what I mean? And like rockets and like zip lines and quads and hurting ourselves, you know? Crazy shit. Rockets are the best. I had a rocket phase as like, I got really into model rockets as like a 20 year old. Yeah. And, uh, when it's a fire with one of my old good friends, Cole Peterson, and I kind of got deeply into it. And we got this, like, big rocket that was a two-stage one. It was, uh, we wrote Hellfire 69 on the side. Of course you did. it took us, like, 
probably like nine, ten hours to put this thing together because there was a lot of different engines you had to put in and put in the wadding and all that shit and get your circuits going. Um, but the little rock, like launching stand we had was for much smaller rockets, ones that were like a foot high. And this guy was probably like, I'd say three and a half feet. So we go out, uh, we're like kind of in Pigeon Lake and go out to this like farmer's field uh, close up to the North Shore of Pigeon Lake. Yeah. And we have this like big ass rocket on a tiny little rocket stand. So we have the little loops on the side of the rocket that we're running a metal pole through uh, on the stand so that it's, you know, upright and down when it launches. But it's so windy out and the stand is so small compared to the rocket that it's really kind of like swaying in the breeze by probably like, I don't know. 60 degrees variance, just kind of going back and forth. <laughs> so we're like, uh, whatever, we'll just time it. We'll just launch it when it's straight up and down. Um, so we waited until it's straight up and down and launched it. And the first stage took it up probably like 200 feet. Oh, my God. At which point it completely turned uh, parallel to the ground, like sideways. The second one then went off, and it just launched like a fucking, <laughs> like a torpedo, <sighs> like, a half mile away from us towards where the people were playing slow pitch in a field. And we are like, oh, fuck, we just shot a fucking missile at slow pitch players. Uh, went over to them, and they said that it went over top of them by a good amount, and we never found the rocket. But rockets are fun for everyone. Rockets are fun for everyone. You find the rocket, like, They're... decades later, and someone's like, oh, what's this? Signs of intelligent um, life. Ah, <laughs> uh, sharp dildo. Uh, speaking of, actually, uh, Cole and I one time went to San Francisco that, like, remember Spencer's Gifts before? Yes. Like, San Francisco? Yes. Oh, man. Uh, that store was crazy, because it would have, like, cartoony things that are obviously for children, and, like, Pokemon stuff, and then it would also have, like, sex toys, and yeah. posters of naked people. Yeah. That's, like, well, the first time I saw boobs was in that store. Mm. Um. And I remember just going through, like, the posters at the back and being like, this is crazy. <laughs> boobs. So, boobs, this is nuts. I guess they're more boobs than nuts, but still. Yeah. Uh, but Cole and I bought this, like, little funny game. It was called, like, Pecker Toss. And it was, like, for bachelorette parties where it's a small little wiener uh, and you throw a little ring on it. And yeah. like, a base. Yeah. Essentially just, like, a dildo with a game attached. Yes. Uh, we carve it off and realize that it's the perfect slide-over fit to put over top of a rocket. So we made this rocket that the top was just a dick, which we thought was the funniest thing ever, and launched that across the street from my parents' house, and it actually ended up landing in their neighbor's yard, who was like this 90-year-old man. So we're looking around his yard to try to find our dick rocket. <laughs> never find it. So I can only hope that like one day, mowing his lawn like a couple years later, he like, gave it to his wife as thing? a present. Like, oh my god. <laughs> Honey? Not only does she have a dildo, but she attached a rocket to it, too. How can I live up to this? Yeah, he just gives it to his wife. Here, honey. There you go. It smells like gunpowder. Yeah. Takes you back to Vietnam. Fuck. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Nikki, this was a blast. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, you know what they say about the podcast? It's all about free-form conversation. It only took us 20 episodes to get there. You did it. I'm proud. It's natural. That's amazing. All right. Love talking to you. I love you a lot, Nikki. Have a great day. I love you. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.